Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to Heart and Soul, the radio show dedicated to all things BDSM. My name is Mistress Elisa. I'm a dominatrix, BDSM counselor, and life coach. Listen, you've got questions, and I've got answers. And I'll be talking to you from my heart and soul. Today's podcast, I am going to read a question that I received and simply talk. I did not want to prepare a response. I already responded to this person's email message. Um, I don't want to read the message. What I want to do is just talk because this type of question is one that I receive quite frequently. So here we go. You guys know that I always allow the person to remain anonymous, so I call them John. Everyone is John. So, hello, mistress. I am a married man who seems to have a growing interest in blackmail. I started off just reading stories and then went to having cam sessions but not showing myself. Now I am on cam and have actually showed my face a few times but believe I have not given out pertinent information. I'm afraid I'm going to cross the line and regret my actions. No matter how hard I seem to try, I can't stay away. And again, we will call this person John, sometimes XX, but the point is, is that this person is anonymous. Okay, so let's go through this. The first thing that caught my attention was that the person seemed sincere. Sometimes people are writing me and they say that they're looking for help, but they communicate in such a way that they are trying to excite themselves. They are trying to elicit some sort of response or engagement from me. And those messages go directly in the trash. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They make a beeline for the trash. Um, this person comes across as sincere. He gave me enough information that I was able to see how he is escalating in his addiction um, and to see the concern that's there. Alright, so he's married. That means that his space is not his own. He is sharing his life with another human being and the things that he does in his life are going to have an impact on another human being. That is always important for me to know. Um, it, it says a lot about how the person has escalated. If you are alone and you are becoming more involved in your addictive pattern, that's one thing. But when you are married and you possibly have children, then you are working a bit more diligently, a bit more... Um, in a more deliberate fashion 
to engage in your addictive behavior and to hide it. Okay, that is going to say a lot about where you are on your journey. And then the implications of that, you've probably got some judgment, you've got um, some shame, some guilt, things like that, especially if there are children involved, in particular children under the age of 18. Okay, so he didn't say he had children, but just by virtue of the fact that he's married and he seems sincere, I'm reading this with an open mind and what I'm doing is trying to build his big picture in my mind. He says, who seems to have a growing interest in blackmail. Okay, now, the thing about blackmail is that you don't start there. So there is definitely going to be a pattern of him having escalated over a number of years. I have no idea how old this person is, but I'm guessing somewhere around mid-40s maybe. Uh, 40 to 45 is what I'm guessing. I'm, I could be wrong, but again, I'm trying to build the big picture. If you have a growing interest in blackmail, that's not something that you do normally as a married man when you are just getting started out. When you're getting started out, you are just trying to get your dick off. It's porn, it's, you know, going out to see a prostitute, a dom, a mistress. You're just doing freaky shit to get off. But when you say that you're interested in blackmail, that's a person who has already become desensitized through a number of years. You've already worn out your um, you've already worn out several fetishes. In other words, you've tried them, they excited your dick in the beginning, and then you're just like, you know what, that's not doing it for me anymore. Or maybe you're a bit more um, indirect. You know, you blame the doms or you blame the women who are involved and they just don't interest you anymore. You don't want this type of person anymore. You need someone who is more strict. You need someone who um, who can really fuck you over. And so with blackmail, you're looking at a woman who is highly skilled, very confident, and she's able to get inside of your head and do a number on you. This is going to be um, something that may be perceived as a lot of fun for a man who is headed towards being in his middle ages. He has a lot of responsibility. His life is a bit predictable. Maybe he's talking about how bored he is. He wants something exciting. Alpha male, probably in charge of projects at work, probably considered a leader in his community. Um, and why am I doing this sort of profile? I'm doing the profile because people seem to feel that they are alone. And if you can see that I can pretty accurately profile this person, I haven't spoken with him, but I'm going to send him this. And if he gives me feedback and he says, you know, you're just way off, then I, I'll look into that and see um, where I went wrong. But I'm normally pretty damn close, if not spot on, about who the person is. So let's keep going. What I'm doing is building the profile, because those, for those of you listening, it might be helpful for you to see that it's, it's fairly easy with just, what is this, about seven or eight lines? It's fairly easy to understand who you are, even though I have no idea 
who you really are. But I can read in between the lines and build your profile and tell you in a general sense how you got here and help you to understand how to get out of here. Okay, so blackmail is is the fetish. Um, and he says it is a growing interest. That means that he started somewhere and he's gotten to blackmail and he's transitioning from these more laid back types of fetishes that have to do with you just getting off directly. It's more in your face and your dick and getting off are more of the focus. Blackmail is more about mindfuckery. Blackmail is more about the person getting inside of your head and your heart and squeezing and pulling out whatever it is that they want. And you got this feeling of the alpha male who is normally in charge. And this is his version of someone else being in charge. This is his version of being cared for, loved, protected, looked after. When the person is more powerful than him and they can take control of him, even though he is alpha educated in charge, then a lot of times this spells out for the submissive that he is cared for, that he is loved, that he is protected. But because it's mixed in with all of the sexual stuff, it just becomes a big blur. You know, and you're not really engaging in a meaningful fashion. What you're doing basically is escapism. You don't want to deal with work, family pressures, responsibilities, financial responsibilities. You just want a moment where you can get away from all of that. He says that he started off just reading stories and then he went to having cam sessions. I'm sure that there are some steps in between there. Probably a good deal of fantasy. Reading stories, looking at pictures, wanting, jerking off while he's reading the stories, becoming desensitized to those things, and then going, I need more in order to get off. I need more in order to get off. Oh, the ultimate high is going to be to not only chat with this person and have this person perform for me, but to have cam sessions. Now, the thing about cam sessions, and I will tell you guys that I don't do those because I use I use um, Skype for a number of things and I have at least four different programs that can record audio visual or audio and visual now that's just me and I don't mean anyone any harm so what happens when you get the the woman who is being pimped out for some porn website where her goal is to get real-time video uh, video to capture that and to turn it over to her boss and for every video that she gets she gets paid you know $25 your life is fucked up because of $25 how do you like that your life can be fucked up because of a $25 cam session she wants to get four of you guys in a night. She turns those over. She gets $100. He puts it on his website, and he's got one of those, you know, um, websites, or he's got one of the categories where um, they focus on virtual or real-time or cam sessions. It is a category. How do they get those videos? Those people are not always consenting. Some of those people are just addicted or curious, they open their cameras and suddenly their ass is all over the internet. And 
if you happen to go to a person who owns not only one website but let's say that they own a series of websites they don't just upload it to one website what they're going to do is say you can buy this video for $9.95 $9.99 and then you get thousands of people all over the world looking for content for their website and your video might be one of the ones that they grab not to mention that from there you can go to any website and while the vi while the video is live streaming you can capture that on your computer for free come on guys so I want you to understand what's happening here you're camming just to jerk off you're camming just to feel good and you're not going to last that long let's be real you're not going to last that long let's say an hour at the most but let's say on average about seven minutes do you want to ruin your life because of one hour uh, not seven minutes at the most at the least um, do you want to ruin your life because of a seven to sixty minute long session all it takes is one time um, so he says that he did cam sessions in the beginning, but he wasn't showing himself in the beginning. And now he's gotten to the point where he is on camera and he has shown his face a few times. But he does not believe that he has given up pertinent information. All right. So let me tell you guys what a skilled dom will do. I am a skilled dom, so I'm going to tell you what I have done. I take notes on your ass. So let's say that I have you for a year. You may think that you're just mentioning something in passing, but I will have notes about your family, your children, your personal problems, your um, work. I will piece together your, your work environment, what industry you work in and, and things like that. Now, I do that because I'm helping you. But when I did that, because I was um, a more open dom, I was more open to, you know, play and sessioning and fucking people over, I would use that information to guarantee that I had more control over you and that you would have a more intense session with me. Because the more intense your session, the more likely you were to come back and the more fun that I would have. So it was a win-win. But because of my own personal beliefs, I would never, I can't say I would never, I, on two occasions, I have outed people. And I would say that one of them begged for it. And the other one, well, the first one begged openly and the second one begged just by being a complete asshole. So I have outed two people in my lifetime as a dom. Okay, but I'm not motivated by the idea of hurting people i'm here to have fun uh, in the beginning i was here to have fun now i'm here to help people what happens when you find the dom who is a quote-unquote dom and she is motivated by money and greed and she does not give a flying fuck about you your wife your children your job what happens to those people do you have any idea how many times men have come to me and said that their life is ruined because the dom sent pictures and emails to their boss or to the human resources office? 
How many times has that happened? I have no idea. They have lost their jobs. Recently, uh, a client told me that he had to move out of state, cut off contact with everyone, and just pick up and move, get a new job. And he called me, basically, on the road. He, he hitched a rig to his Harley, drove to another state, found a job, and contacted me. It's it's not pretty when people play games with your life, okay? But you're not a victim. So it's not pretty when you just throw your, your life to shit and you act like your life doesn't matter. You are not a victim. You are making decisions. You need to learn how to listen, how to listen to the voices inside of your head and identify who's talking. Is this your addiction talking? Your addiction is not a person. Your addiction is like a part of you. But let's just categorize it as a who. Is your addiction talking? Then you need to understand that your addiction is talking and figure out what to do with that. Is this your truth talking? Is your truth saying, you know, I I deserve better than this. My family deserves better than this. I don't want to do this anymore. I feel ashamed and embarrassed and I'm out of control and I don't know how to stop. That might be your truth. Another level of truth might be, I'm hurt, I'm lonely, I'm afraid, I'm ashamed, I'm lost, I'm confused, and I just don't know what to do. That's going to be another level of truth that will help you to start to break up the addictive cycle. If you can break up the addictive cycle, then it does not pick up momentum. And the addictive cycle is a downward spiral. So if you don't stop the momentum, then you start sliding harder and faster and the hill becomes steeper over time. So in the beginning, it's not about stopping the addictive pattern. In the beginning, it's about slowing the momentum. Just pausing long enough to get your thoughts together. So for this person, if this person were um, my client, and he's not because he's written me, but um, he, he seems sincere. So what I'm going to do is tell him what it would look like, um, I believe, if he were to be on a successful journey of coming out of addiction. What I would say is take five minutes when you feel triggered. First of all, I need to go back. First of all, you need to start to understand your emotions. Okay, you need to be able to understand how you feel, what's going on with you. Alpha males, meaning men who are in charge and who have lots of responsibilities and who have a certain type of image that they need to uphold at home, in the community, at work, in their church. There's a certain image that they have to uphold. And so what happens is they get triggered They don't even know they're triggered. Maybe you feel pressured. Maybe you feel like there's just too much going on. Maybe you feel judged. Maybe you feel misunderstood. Maybe you feel taken for granted. Maybe you feel like you are taking care of everyone else and no one else is taking care of you. Maybe you just don't feel supported. Maybe you're tired. Those types of things are triggers. So once you start to understand how you're feeling, And some of your feelings will be triggers and some of them won't. But as as long as you are completely oblivious to what's happening inside of your own soul, instead of 
being in control of your life, you are going to engage in these knee-jerk reactions. You know, I, I the pressure is building. I just need to, quote-unquote, get this out of my system. Okay? That's, that's, that's a whole nother conversation that needs to be had. You're not getting it out of your system. That is not happening. You're feeding your addiction. And the period between this incident where you act out and the next incident is going to be X. Okay? And then the period between the next incident and the one after that will be X minus a number. So in other words, those periods of you acting out occur faster over time. So maybe you would act out, you know, once a year. If you've been in this for five years, you know that you go from acting out once a year to two times a year. And you're like, oh, I'm good. It's only every six months. Yeah, but that six months turns into four and then three and then two. Now you're acting out six times a year. And guess what? You're not acting out um, the same way that you did before. You increase your activity. You become more daring because you're looking for that initial high that you got 5, 10, 20 years ago. You're trying to recreate that with new fetishes, with a more um, intense experience. And usually intensity means more risk is involved. Okay, so we can see that that's what's happening here. In order to break this cycle up, I would tell this person that he needs to become aware of what is happening inside of himself. It doesn't matter if it connects to your dick or not. That's one of the big problems with men in this lifestyle. They don't want to talk about anything other than their dick. It's it's craziness. You know, I, I ask a question about life or... You know, just um, what did you study in school? And why did you choose to become a lawyer? You know, why did you choose to go into um, the arts? And what I'm looking for is, was the person connected to himself in school? So I'm asking a question that helps me to understand more about you. And you, many times, will take that and process it and answer it in such a way that it goes back to your dick all things go back to your dick. You have to break that up. You have to. You have to break it up, take a moment, and what I would do is redirect you. I didn't ask you about your dick. What I asked you was, what did you study in university? And what was your motivation for doing that? Were you connected to yourself in university? Was your addiction a problem? Then is what I'm looking for. I don't ask you that, but I'm looking for signs of that. I'm just giving you an example. Okay, so what happens once you become aware of your own emotions? You start to see which of those emotions trigger you to go back into your addictive pattern. When does the anxiety start to build? And when do you start to feel agitated and like you need to engage in your addiction in order to be okay? Can you trace it back to something that happened? A lot of times my clients will trace these things back to a person, um, to a person at their job, a person in their family, the dynamics that exist between them 
and their family or their co-workers or their boss. And so you, you start to identify the many triggers that are in your life. Because men become sexually aware at really young ages, I, I've spoken to people who have endured abuse and they've said that they've had their first, a couple of them has, have said that they've had an orgasm or something like it, maybe without um, producing uh, cum or sperm, they they would have that orgasm at maybe eight or nine years of age. And they would talk about trying to understand what it was. That can happen very frequently with a person who has endured abuse at a young age. But if things just progress naturally, maybe they have an older brother who... Um, who watches porn and who exposed my client to porn at an early age or maybe they caught their parents doing something kids are always kids are always getting into something so let's say that they were exposed to something sexual um and they began to ex experiment uh with their own bodies then you have this kind of introduction to things of a sexual nature that you don't necessarily engage in to be okay that you don't necessarily engage in in order to process something really bad that happened to you but it does become their little secret and kids are really smart they know that there are certain things that you talk about and certain things that you don't so when you take a kid a boy in particular and you expose him to things of a sexual nature but you're not providing a support system you're not giving him a sounding board. You're not allowing him to express himself. You're not encouraging him to express himself. What he's going to do is internalize that and process it in a way that makes sense in his little brain. I don't mean little in a demeaning way, but I mean little because he's only a kid. He's only a preteen or he's a young teenager. And so the brain develops but the emotions develop as well well you're not emotionally developing as a 13 year old boy not really you don't start to truly emotionally develop until a little bit later and so what you have is this person who's growing up and becoming a young adult and he's emotionally detached he's emotionally cut off the only thing that brings him pleasure or the main thing in, in, his, in his life is this dick that gets hard and it provides an amazing experience for him. Couple that with the social standard of, or, or the social norm of it, it's okay for boys to be horny and to act out and, you know, to talk certain ways about women you get this idea that men can disrespect women and it's okay and it's expected and in order for you to be cool with your friends you guys get the story you know what the story looks like so you add these early sexual experiences with a lack of emotional maturity you get a young man who goes off to college and he's got all of this stuff inside of him that he's never sorted through and now he's trying to have adult-like relationships and he may or may not be ready. If he suffered abuse and he hasn't processed that, he's not going to be ready. 
if he was exposed to, to things of a sexual nature, he may have formed these ideas of what women or men exist for. Oh, they're just there for my pleasure. You know, once they get my dick off, I'm done with them. Good luck having a long-lasting, meaningful relationship with that fucked up kind of mentality. Really? So you've watched so much porn and you've you've gotten this idea in your head that your sexual partners are there just to please you. You don't respect them. You don't get to know them. You don't build relationships with them. You don't communicate. You just need to do whatever it takes so that you can fuck them and move on. And then you get married, you have kids, you have lots of responsibilities, but you don't have the balance of being able to just rest in the, the arms of a partner who loves you, who adores you, who takes good care of you. You don't have that. And so there is going to be something missing. Because when you are in this world, and you have lots of responsibilities, financial uh, things in your community, things at work, you've got to take care of your family, you have to make sure that everyone has food and clothes and that you're saving for their college education, um, that your wife can get her hair and nails done. That's a lot of pressure. You want the promotion, uh, you're trying to finish your master's degree so that you can advance in your career, and you don't have a place to call home. Physical home, sure. But what about a home for your soul? What about a place where you can just, <sighs> I want to relax and breathe and feel like I can be cared for. You spend just a bit of time in the arms, either literally or figuratively speaking, the arms of the person that you love and adore, and you are going to feel rejuvenated. You are going to be revived. You are going to feel like all of the energy that you have expended is coming back to you. Because that is what happens when you are loved and appreciated. But if you have spent all of this time using your energy and, and depleting yourself and then using other people just to get off, you are not maturing emotionally. You have no idea what a real relationship is. You have no idea what the true benefits of a relationship are. Relationships are not about you looking good in public. They're not about people, your friends going, gosh, she's got an awesome ass. You know, and you're like, yeah, and she's a great lady too. That's not what relationships are for. Your wife is not just arm candy. Your wife is a thinking, breathing human being who is your partner and who has given you children. Now, how does this play into addiction? This goes back to what I said earlier. People who are trying to work through addiction don't want to talk about real life. They want to talk about their dicks, and that's the problem. That's why you're in the situation. It's because you put your dick on a pedestal. Imagine your entire life being controlled and possibly ruined because of six inches of flesh. Six inches, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, 
if if you're not lucky then you might get somewhere around two inches which is really cute if you're blessed we'll call it blessed then you're probably looking at eight or nine and upwards but guys two to nine inches that's going to control your life that's going to determine whether or not you taint your soul that is going to determine whether or not you put your life your future the future of your children the future of your marriage at risk all because of a few inches of flesh think about it so we have this dear person and again i can see that he is sincere what i'm doing in this podcast is addressing the issues that he has raised but i'm also going off into a conversation uh, this is one conversation, but I'm going off into the the ongoing counseling that takes place with someone who is with me for one, two, three years. Clients don't normally stay longer than three years, guys. Three years is if you really, really, really need help. And, and that can happen. Um, but usually what I want is for you to heal, get better, see me less and less, and start moving on. Some people become overwhelmed by the process and they just disappear because they don't want to deal with life. They just want to deal with their dick. And while they're dealing with their dick and asking for help, they're beating off and panting. Again, I only give you a few seconds to do that. If you're in this cycle with this dear John, if you're in a similar cycle, then you need to understand that the reason that you're there is because you have neglected yourself, your heart, your soul, your being, you know, who you are at at your core. You have completely neglected yourself and you've placed such a strong emphasis on your dick and getting off that nothing else matters in that moment and so you put yourself in a situation where you are potentially going to throw everything away let's go to the remainder of his message he says I'm afraid I'm going to cross the line and regret my actions I think that you already have crossed the line and you already do regret your actions because you're not speaking clearly about how far you went um, my feeling is that when people try to downplay, my experience tells me that when people try to downplay what they have done, it's usually much bigger than what they are indicating. So you're saying um, you have a growing interest. Where was it? Um, you said, I am now on cam and have actually shown my face a few times, but I believe that I've not given out pertinent information then that means you're giving out some information, but you're, you're playing around with the technicality of it's not pertinent. But what you don't understand is that a highly skilled dom is taking notes on your ass. And if she puts you under, if she's doing anything like hypnosis or putting you into subspace, she's pulling shit out of you that you're not fully aware of. It may be somewhere in the recesses of your mind, but you're not going to be conscious of it. 
necessarily. If she's good at what she does, you will not be conscious of it. And so you do that a couple of times. Suddenly she's got your last name. Um, she's got your city and your state. And let's say next month she starts to focus on getting little bits and pieces about your wife and maybe where you work. All I need is five to seven pieces of information and all I have to do is plug that stuff into Google and I'm on to you. I've done it before, but again, I haven't done it in such a way that I'm trying to hurt someone. These doms are going to hurt you and destroy you just to get a new pair of Gucci shoes. Meanwhile, your six inches of dick is going to ruin your life, your marriage, your relationship with your children, your standing in the community, your family and friends, your parents are going to lose respect for you. I'm giving you the scenario that could happen and I'm using uh, the future tense as if it is going to happen because if you don't stop, it is going to happen. Because let me tell you something about addiction. Addiction is not done with your ass until there is nothing left of you. That's addiction. Look at a person who's addicted to drugs. You never see them get to the point where they go, you know what, I'm 10 pounds underweight and I need to stop. They will become 20 pounds underweight and they normalize it in their head. They don't see the sores and the missing teeth. They don't see that they are skeletons and dead men and women walking. The only thing that they can think about is that next hit. Just because the manifestation of your addiction is not the same, it doesn't mean that it's any less severe. Because what happens is you start with, do you know where you go from blackmail? I'm going to tell you what happens. And for those of you who are listening, if you are interested in blackmail or if you've already gone down that journey and you're on it, I'm going to tell you what happens. And I can, I, I could bet money on the fact that you are going to be able to check about 80 to 90% of these things off the list. What happens with blackmail? Usually you are a heterosexual male. Usually. Not always, but let's say about 95% of the time. Now, what will happen is some of you are listening and you're going, well, you know, I'm bi and I'm curious, but hold on, hold on. Let's look at something. When your dick is not hard, do you identify as bi-curious? When your dick is not hard, do you want to be on the bottom? And let me be clear, I am not talking to my dear clients who are um, had homosexual, um, truly bi-curious or bisexual, transsexual or transgender. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who use the lifestyle to get off. So let's focus on blackmail. Most of the time, those people are going to be heterosexual males. They um, identify as heterosexual, but through the course of their journey and the lifestyle, they start to become more open, by curious. They may start to say things like, well, I fantasize about my 
my wife or my dom using a strap on and then from there you go to my wife or my dom is going to force me and I'm using air quotes with this she's going to force me to be with a guy right it's something that you want but you're going to pretend to submit so that you can get what you really want you're not really submissive you are manipulating the situation and you're getting out of it what you want otherwise you wouldn't be there because if she were dominant and she said you know what you're going to get your shit together um you know and this you getting your life together is going to have nothing to do with your dick because there is no payoff you're simply going to disappear the reason that you're staying there is because you're getting something out of it okay so let's say that we go from um your wife or your female partner has a strap on she's fucking you then you start to fantasize about her forcing you to suck on dick you go from sucking dick to wanting to be fucked by a man with a dick and then that's not good enough so now you need a black guy you start focusing on big black hawk and bbc becomes the thing and you know that's not good enough so now he has to be some big burly prison inmate who escaped and your dom is not there to protect you and he rapes you the the fantasies escalate guys you never look back at your fantasies and go yes i'm fantasizing about the exact same thing that i fantasized about 10 years ago that doesn't happen ever ever it may be the same theme but it's not the same fantasy you always add more it always becomes bigger and you know more intimidating more intense because you've become desensitized and you need more okay so now we've got big black hawk and we've got a prison inmate who has escaped and um you know now you are forced to wear panties and a bra that's not good enough so while he's fucking you you know you've got lipstick on and a dick in your mouth and a wig i'm telling you you start with one thing and before you know it inside of your head you are fantasizing about things that you know you really don't want but because your dedication is 110% to your dick you go with these fantasies and you keep adding on to them and you you make them uh, potentially more dangerous potentially more harmful and you normalize the fantasies and you're like well at least i'm not going out and having unprotected sex and so you sort of meet yourself midway um but i am going to start dressing up i am going to start wearing panties and bra and you know lipstick and i'm going to hide my wigs and my trunk and things like that listen let me clarify and i'm going to wrap this podcast up um i do believe that it takes all sorts in this world and i believe that people are beautiful in who they are i don't want anyone to listen to this and think that i'm speaking badly about men who are transsexual or transgender who are bisexual who are gay that's not the point and it's not the point i'm trying to make i hope that i have not offended anyone i'm using these examples because there are so many men who are engaging and the lifestyle and they use these things that are other people's truths they use these things as fetishes 
They don't respect the transsexual or transgender community. They're, they're not committed to helping to advance the rights of transsexual or transgender peoples. They don't give a fuck about you guys. They just want to get their dicks off. And then as soon as they get their dicks off, they are ashamed and embarrassed because they weren't living their truth. And they're ashamed at what they've done just to get off. This person says, I'm afraid I'm going to cross the line and regret my actions. I would say I I can understand that you are afraid. And I can say that I would agree that you've crossed the line and that you want to be careful because your face is already out there. It sounds like your details are out there. You're going to have to be careful and you need to rein this in. Get the support that you need. I am available, but if you don't want to speak with me, I am not for everyone. Don't make the mistake of thinking that I believe that I can help the whole world. I can't. I have a specific style that I work in. I am completely dominant. I hold people accountable. If you need someone to baby you and oh, that's so sweet, and oh, I'm so sorry. That's just not going to happen here because that's not how people get better. Um, That's what happens when, you know, you have a mother who allows you to do and say whatever you want, and then your crazy ass goes out and you terrorize the whole world. And mom is always there to tell you what a good, sweet boy you are. But you're wreaking havoc on the world around you, in your family, in your community, you know, with yourself, and mom is just like, you're my perfect angel. Yeah, I'm not going to play that role. I am the person who will hold up the mirror and say, this is what I hear you saying. This is what I see you doing. If you want to get better, then you're going to have to make a choice about where you are. Where are you? What do you not like? What do you want to change? And how are you going to get there? I can help you with the how, but I cannot help you with your vision for your life. That is yours. The saddest part about this email is the person says, no matter how hard I seem to try, I can't seem to stay away. What that's saying to me is that he is trying and he's probably gritting his teeth and, you know, white knuckling it and staying away for as long as he can. And then when he comes back, he's probably a little bit further in the addiction and he wants to play something else out because while you're staying away those fantasies fantasies start to creep up and you start to play with the fantasies and you want to act out something a little differently so when you actually come back to the lifestyle you you are going to escalate in your behavior you're not going to pick up where you left off you are going to want more and you are going to risk more Blackmail is a person who fantasizes about blackmail, I would say is in quite a precarious situation. You are completely disconnected from yourself and you are playing around with the fantasy of destroying yourself, of destroying indirectly, of destroying your wife and your kids' lives and you're using that that fear, the intensity of that possibility to get your dick off. And I know that you're not directly putting your your wife and your kids in this. I know that. But in your head, and that's where some of the shame and embarrassment come from, the judgment, it's because you know that they are at risk too. 
And it is the intensity of all of that risk that makes the experience more intense for you and provides a more pleasurable physical release. I would say to get help here, sweetheart, it starts with, I'm going to give you some things that you can do just on a practical level. I would say one, become more aware of how you feel. This is difficult to do if you're not, if you haven't practiced this before. And if you're a guy in particular, you know, you don't sit around drawing hearts. Um, You don't sit around fantasizing about having deep conversations with your crush. That's just not something guys do. Girls will do that kind of thing. It's quite common. I would say you need to, one, learn to sit still. Give yourself one to three minutes in the beginning. Learn to sit still and just identify what you're feeling. That's it. Don't do anything with it. Just identify. I feel. And don't don't make the mistake of providing an opinion as a feeling. That's a huge mistake. So I feel that I'm in big trouble. That's not a feeling. That's a judgment. I feel alone. I feel afraid. I feel vulnerable. I feel overburdened. I feel incapable. Try to identify the feeling. Number two is try to figure out what you want to do about that. If you feel afraid, then what do you want to do about it? Is beating off your dick going to make you feel less afraid? It might help distract you for a moment, but is it really going to uh, address that that um, need that's inside of you? And so you've got a decision to make. Well, no, it's not, jerking off is not going to, or going to see a dom, or, you know, watching porn, or getting on camera. Those things are not going to help me, but it's something that I feel like I need. I can't talk myself out of it. I feel like I need it. Then I would say, give yourself five minutes. Give yourself five minutes. Reach out to your accountability partner. I don't mean to sound too, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? sterile I don't want to sound too sterile and and make this sound you know like I'm not in touch but you need someone to be someone to hold you accountable so you sit for five minutes you are in that space and you feel what you feel you go and you talk for at least 15 minutes with your accountability partner okay are you still going to do it then set boundaries for yourself with your accountability partner Listen, don't lie to them. Don't tell them that you're healed and you're fine and you're focused. Don't fake it and smile and go away, you know, saying, thank you. I'm, I'm much better now. I can do this. Don't do that. Tell the person, I appreciate your time uh, and what you're saying makes sense in my head, but I'm not there emotionally and I feel like I'm still going to act out. Hopefully, you have the type of accountability partner that will say, okay, I, I can appreciate where you are. Let's Um, let's agree to what you are going to do and to what you aren't going to do. If you're really wanting to do a cam session, then engage in a cam session that's one-sided. You don't open your camera. If you really want to 
um, go see a dom, uh, don't have sex with her. Doms don't have sex anyway. But uh, some people are calling themselves doms when they're really nothing more than prostitutes. If you want to see a prostitute, don't see a prostitute, but see a dom instead and don't have sex with her. That's one way of allowing you to act out in the lifestyle, but pulling it all in so that you're not out of control. And if you keep pulling it in in that fashion, you can actually find yourself working your way out of it. And because you start to heal emotionally, because you're in touch with yourself, and you start to understand how to take care of yourself emotionally, then you will find that you don't need to act out as much. You will find that the lure of your addiction is not nearly as fulfilling as it once was. And what happens without you white knuckling it, without you forcing anything, is that you actually start to walk out of your addiction. I'm not saying that this is easy because it is not. It can be insanely difficult. You will be mad at yourself. You'll be mad at your accountability partner. You will be mad as hell at me if you're coming to see me. It gets rough. Let me tell you, every single one of my clients has had moments where they have just really been angry with me. I can deal with that. No problem. But are you getting better? That's what I'm looking at. The other thing that I would say is you need to make sure that you have accountability because as you can see you can't work through these steps on your own you need accountability and you need to be honest with that person that you're accountable to one of the most ridiculous stories uh, or cases that I am personally aware of involved two people that I knew quite well um, personally and um, one of them they were both addicts but um, one of them was the sponsor and the other one was the active addict we'll put it that way and so they were sponsoring and supporting each other so to speak but neither one of them were honest with the other and um, they had known each other for 20 plus years they were supposedly best friends and sponsors and friends and i remember one of them saying we we have never had an argument you know that is how deeply our love for one another goes that is how deep our relationship is we are so in tune with it sounds sort of like a love story rather than uh, a sponsor and an addict your 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 sponsor your um the, your accountability partner, your support system is not supposed to be your go-to yes man or yes woman. That's not what they're there for. They are there to be the voice of reason and of truth. And if that person is so um, focused on you liking them, if they are more invested in the relationship than they are and you getting the support that you need, then that's just a farce. It's a fucking waste of time. If you are really and truly trying to come out of addiction, you need the voice of reason. And that's not a voice of judgment, but it is the voice that says, listen, I'm hearing you say one thing, but you're doing another. 
listen, um, you, you seem to be communicating with me in a way that is not completely honest and forthcoming. Are you hiding something? What are you doing? And in this relationship, neither one of them were telling the other. It, it was like I was in the middle and I would get little bits and pieces from the other person. And I wasn't the sponsor. I wasn't the support system. But I knew things about the sponsor and I knew things about the addict and they were supposedly best friends and sponsor and and co-sponsor, you know, they were one another's support systems and they didn't speak truth to one another. This journey is about truth and integrity, guys. If you are truthful with yourself and a person of integrity with yourself, then what's going to happen is you will automatically stop actively bullshitting yourself. You'll stop blaming other people when it's you. You'll stop running to a distraction when it's really you aching. You'll stop running in fear because you'll go, I'm afraid and I want to do something about it. I don't feel that I'm capable of doing anything about it, so I'm going to ask help for help. You see, when you stop bullshitting yourself, you get to the heart of the issue and you're able to become empowered because you make decisions as opposed to engaging in these knee-jerk reactions. I know that very much of what I have said in this podcast on the surface seems like it has nothing to do with this person's email. I know that. But I also know that my response has everything to do with his email because you see this is the journey that my clients are on they come to me and what they think is the focus is not the focus it is the manifestation of something deeper that is in their soul that needs to come out that needs to be expressed that needs to be healed and so the very things that you are addicted to are the things that you think that you need. And so you're fighting for them. You're clinging and holding on to them with everything in your fucking being. And the first thing that I'm going to do is say, okay, I understand that that is how important your addiction is to you, that fetish is to you. But what I'm going to want you to do is tell me about who you are without the fetish without the addiction without the addictive cycle who are you a lot of times the answer that I get is I don't know this is a person who does not know who they are because they are so involved with the addictive pattern that they have lost themselves if you want to come out of addiction you find yourself You acknowledge yourself. I see you. Fuck yes, I see you. Gosh, you're amazing. (laughs) You acknowledge yourself. What are your strengths? What are you here for? What's your purpose? What are you living for? What excites you? What are you passionate about? Acknowledge yourself. And then you learn to love and appreciate. Feel good about yourself. You start to live a life of purpose and of meaning. You start to live your truth. That is how you come out of addiction. 
this type of addiction. We're not talking about drugs and alcohol. I have no knowledge about drug and alcohol dependency because you're talking about your body and your mind having been altered because of these substances. That's not what I deal with. I'm dealing with issues of the heart and soul only. If you have um, drug or substance abuse issues, I will tell you right up front, I cannot help you. But when I tell you that I can help you with these things, pay attention. Whether you can call me, whether or not you can afford to call me, that doesn't matter because I'm giving you gems in these podcasts. Push play. Listen to them when you're driving, when you're riding, in your car, when you feel triggered, when you feel alone, when you feel overwhelmed. Push play. You don't have to call me. That's what this website and these podcasts are all about. I truly care, guys, because I love this lifestyle. And it really hurts me to see what the media and society are doing to BDSM. It hurts me to see what we are doing to BDSM because we make it all about sex. We make it all about getting off. And it's not that. BDSM is beautiful. It can free you. It freed me. It helped me to find myself. And actually what happened was I didn't find myself. I I, I found, it wasn't like I was lost. It was like I found my place. Because you see, in the vanilla world, I would be labeled as bossy and bitchy and all sorts of negative and derogatory terms. But when I came here uh, to the lifestyle, I started to see this is my truth. I also faced uh, being pulled in to sexual play and different fetishes and I found myself distracted and that's when I would say you know I need to take a moment here and figure out what's going on what what is this and that is when I vowed to myself that I would not um, have sessions with people when I was dealing with something on my own I would not come to a session and take it out on a client I would not come into a session and take it out Um, on my good boy he doesn't necessarily have to be a client but I wouldn't do that so this is not something that I am um, that I'm throwing out at others and saying do this this is something that I also live in order to be in the lifestyle if that is your choice and if that is your truth in order to be in the lifestyle you have to be mindful You have to be present because you don't want to hurt yourself or others. That shit comes back to you, I promise you. I want you guys to be present in the lifestyle. If you do that, you will start to come out of addiction. Be present, have um, an accountability partner or someone that you can speak with freely and be honest. If you do those three things, you can start to work your way out of addiction so for this dear John I decided to take a bit more time with answering you um, because your message stood out to me and because I think that this is a message that a good number of people in the lifestyle need to hear so I hope that this has been helpful happy holidays to you guys I don't know how many more of these there will be um, before the new year but um, you guys stay focused Be encouraged, 
Speak your truth. Find your truth. Be people of integrity. Be a person of integrity. Cut the bullshit out. You're not hurting the other person. You're hurting yourself. And if you're tired of hurting, then you need to start telling the truth. The truth is that you're hurting. The truth is that you are frustrated and you're lonely and you're afraid and you're, you know, there's a lot going on. Sort through that stuff. Don't be distracted. Sort through your stuff and start to come out on the other side of it. All right, guys, that's it for me today. Mistress Alisa at alisacoaches.com. A-L-I-S-A-C-O-A-C-H-E-S.com for more information. Take care.